0: This week, as well as next week, we'll be reading from the Book of Wisdom, our first readings. We already have heard some of, the, um, some of the words which were given to us, like the souls of the just are in the hands of God. They're at peace. Words which have heard frequently at funerals because it kind of grounds us immediately to those who have passed away are in the hands of God. They have not disappeared but there is the, the whole book of wisdom was written in the first century before Jesus in the, was written in Greek uh, by a rabbi or some very insightful man of God living in, in Alexandria. And so this book was written to address the difficulties of his fellow countrymen, believers, living in a pluralistic society living in difficult situation because at that time, Alexandria was a, was a large city. It was also a place where a lot of Jewish people were, the diaspora in Egypt. So now they were living in the midst of pagans. And so they were in frequent contact with the society, with a variety of religions and philosophical systems. And as you know, when you live in pluralistic societies, variety of ways of saying what is true wisdom, what to follow, we live in the same environment today. In some ways, this book of wisdom would be quite appropriate for us to really read carefully, because it addresses quite similar situations that we find ourselves, because what those religions and philosophical systems were offering, offering wisdom and salvation, how to really be happy, what's the meaning of life, and so being, living in that cosmopolitan and very individualistic mentality, where there's a lot of skepticism, irony, dissatisfaction with, with what people have, the traditional values. And so it was truly really a time of crisis, which some of the Jewish people were afflicted, some even young, as often today too, they abandoned their faith. They replaced it with some pagan religions or secular philosophies, It's what we have today. And so this book of wisdom is truly trying to address the issues by looking from the perspective of the wisdom that comes from revelation, wisdom that comes from God. And so this is what the the purpose for this this book was to strengthen the faith of those who are members of the, the flock of the believers to strengthen their faith, give them insights and knowledge and understanding of how to look at life, how to look at things like death, how to look at uh, retribution, what happens to people. They seem to those who disregard God, they seem to prosper. Is, is when will god's justice be meted out he also spoke of the importance of living virtue virtuous life which means following the commandments but also entering into personal relationship with god as being extremely important Just trusting in god trusting in that presence of god who will secure our future who will secure our our reward and life of glory so here it is and so what is he trying to say okay first of all that we need God's wisdom because without it, we cannot function. And then not only is it something that's good for us for our future, but it's also good, something good for us today. And so today, as we read from chapter six, it says, hear, O Kings and understand learn you magistrates of the earth's expanse. Those who are leaders, those who are guide, those are administrators, Hearken you who are in power over the multitude and Lord lorded lord over throngs of people. Okay, so he's addressing immediately those who are in charge those who are in charge because authority was given to you by the Lord and sovereignty by the Most high, who shall probe your works and scrutinize your counsels. basically can we hear this today? you know speaking to everybody who's in charge of others? within church or in societies or states or countries. Remember, he says, remember, the authority was given to you by the Lord who's the sovereign. He's the most high. And he will, he shall probe your works and scrutinize your counsels, the decisions you made, the consequences that you have initiated because though you were ministers of his kingdom, you judged not rightly and did not keep the law. Or walk according to the will of God. So it is a powerful statement. By the way, Book of Wisdom was the book that was to train future leaders. And so, especially, you know, people who were um, in schools, studying professors and teachers, if you were to call at that time, they wish to call them students and masters, but, don't, you know, but nonetheless, it's still the same category. And then it continues, he says that, terribly and swiftly shall he come against you because judgment is stern for the exalted. If you have raised yourself high, filled yourself with pride, thinking that you're in charge of everything, you can do anything without consequences. He says that swiftly the, the judgment will come against you. For the lowly may be pardoned out of mercy, but the mighty shall be mightily put to the test. For the Lord of all shows no partiality, nor does he fear greatness because he himself made the great as well as the small, and he provides for all alike. So the 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 wisdom that is offered to those who are in leadership positions is that God will review your work. God will judge you on the things that you've done. And political party will not protect you. Ideology will not protect you. You will have to face God. And I, I think this truth perhaps needs to be heard by many or perhaps should be read. This book of wisdom should be read as was intended for those who are studying, for those who are knowledgeable, for those who teach others and guide others. Okay, so now to you, therefore, princes, are my words addressed that you may learn wisdom and that you may not sin. For those who keep the holy precepts, hallowed shall be found holy. So precepts shall be found holy. Those who follow, who consider God's precepts as truly holy, as instructions from God. And those learned in them will have, will have ready a response. So desire therefore the wisdom that God gives them, long for the wisdom and you shall be instructed and you shall be praised. So basically what we hear here again is that follow the wisdom of God, and you will be prosperous. If you do not, the, 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 the momentary fame or whatever it may be, it will disappear. And then ultimately you, it will lead you to destruction. Now, this the second aspect of today's reading is a beautiful reading on gratitude to God. Gratitude. Gratitude, thanksgiving. Today we see Jesus walking to Jerusalem, goes through Samaria, goes to Galilee and there on the road, he hears 10 lepers, as you know, leprosy was terrible disease. Those who became lepers were totally isolated. They could not be with their families. They had to be outside of a society, living someplace on the margins of community. Uh, and people would just leave some food to, to them. They would never be in contact with contagious disease. And so they were, they were far. So now there's 10 of them there. And what did they do? They call it Jesus, Master, have pity on us, which means they have confidence in him, that somehow he will help us, he will help them. They must have heard that Jesus was the one who was able to heal, and so they call out to him. And of course, all of them were healed. Jesus didn't say, just go, show yourself to the priests as though they were already healed because was this, if you were healed, then you would have to go to the priest and he will say, yes, there's no more signs of your, of your affliction. And so therefore you can return back to the community, to society, to your families. And so all of them are going, and, there, and, and only, but only one comes back, glorifying God in loud voice. And Jesus who drops to the feet of Jesus and thanks him, filled with gratitude, and Jesus says to him, whether well, there are 10 or there, where are the nine? I think that the, the, the call for us today through the gospel is that we are to be aware of the blessings we receive. Sometimes people receive extraordinary blessing. They're very happy and they forget to thank God, even though they prayed for the grace. But sometimes the problem with our gratitude is that we pray today, we pray tomorrow, pray, and the grace comes a year later. And so then we kind of forget. We don't, we don't associate perhaps the, the outcome of the prayer or outcome of people, other people's prayer. And they say, you know, sometimes, well, how lucky I am, or whatever it is, or, you know, but yet everything, just like the book of wisdom says, everything comes from God. Our spare existence comes from God. Our God sustains us in our livelihood, in, in our existence and provides for us. And so the gratitude for just for being alive, for being able to participate in the Eucharist, for being able to have a family, to have loved ones around us for having work, job, all those things would call us to have gratitude you know cars that we drive, the ability we have to communicate, all those things are great blessings and the Lord is is asking us today inviting us to to be grateful to thank him for everything that we have and then finally today we honor the uh, saint Sepoo. The Great, as he's known, the first Pope Leo, the first Pope to be known as the Great. Why was he known as 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 great? He lived in the probably most difficult moments in history. There are at least two major heresies attacking the church. There is also, uh, also the division as to the whole theology of how who is Jesus in his humanity, in his divinity? You have Attila the Hunt is conquered Rome. <laughs> and conquered all of Italy, and uh, basically ready to wipe him out, you know. and and besides all the other things that he had. So he lived in a very difficult situation, and yet there was, he was a man of God. He was truly a prayerful man. We do not know exactly when he was born. We don't have a date, but we know that he was a deacon, and he was a very smart deacon. So much so that the Pope invited him, and we sent him first of all to, to Constantinople to, to, for the 431 council, uh, in Eph- I'm sorry, Constantinople but to Ephesus. He was there. Uh, he um, he participated in, 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 in a variety of ways. The Pope, well, actually two Popes were using him to resolve conflicts. You know, he sent him out to, was a peacemaker, brilliant man, filled with God, with knowledge of God. And so, so uh, when, when the uh, Pope that he was assisting uh, uh, died, they chose him to be the the Pope in 440. And so, they're here to address the issue with Pelagianism. Pelagian heresy, there was this priest named Pelagius who felt, at least the way he described it, that we don't really need that grace when we put ourselves into a uh, into uh, uh, into a great discipline, we can acquire you know all kinds of things. We can acquire even holiness by our own action, and of course, um, this was not the case. Saint Augustine wrote an incredible work on that one. There's nothing we can do; that grace is so required because even the desire to do good is an inspiration to receive from the from the Holy Spirit. So it's always every action in us is is always uh, uh, introduced by by an inspiration from the lord so that, so every every good act that we desire comes first of all through inspiration from the lord and then our ability to overcome whatever weaknesses we have requires grace so pope leo had to confront this whole heresy pelagian heresy that we try we, we rely on ourselves too much instead of on relying on, on grace and power of God's love for us. Then he also had to do deal with the Manichaean heresy as well, which also afflicted St. Augustine because Augustine would live more or less same time. And, and the, uh, and the Manichaeism was that, that, uh, that the human body flesh, material, material dimensions of our life. All the things are evil. Are evil, and we have to get rid of it. We have to get rid of the evil, which means disrespecting. And it doesn't matter what you do with your body because it doesn't really care. You know, you can sin whatever you wish to do because it doesn't matter ultimately, uh, but because the body is evil. body is evil and God will not, you know, uh, bring forth, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the that fullness of life and resurrection, because there's no need matter is is evil. So that's the second aspect. The third aspect is to, um, there was a council of Constantinople, which ultimately was dealing with the question of, of Jesus, one person, two natures. And there's a problem, problem among the theological problem, and there's many, many of the discussions that took place. And finally it was Poblio the first who spoke. And, and, and the, the question of this one person in two natures, which is called, is known as hypostatic union, that in Jesus we have one person who's fully human, fully divine. He's fully God and fully human being. So that the totality, and so this is what he wrote. And he wrote to the Council of, I'm sorry, not Constantinople, but Concedon in 451, Council uh, Council of Concedon. And so he wrote the following. He says, uh, he wrote this letter to the Bishop of Constantinople, which was read aloud. And he said the following, invisible in his own nature, he became visible in ours beyond our grasp he chose to come within our grasp existing before time. He began to exist at the moment in time, Lord of the universe. He hid his infinite glory and took the nature of a servant. And so beautiful words, and it was a longer, you know, which we studied in, in theology, how he, he did defined, beautifully defined, the two natures in one, so he was God. And as he said so beautifully, invisible in our, in his own nature, became visible in ours. Beyond our grasp, he chose to be within, to come within our grasp, existing before time, he began to exist at a moment in time, Lord of the universe. He hid his infinite glory and took the nature of a servant. Beautiful description of who God is, in Jesus and in His humanity, so uh, that's 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 one of the probably greatest things that He did. And so, at the Council of of Chalcedon, uh, uh, when they the Tome was read, the uh, those who were gathered there, He says, upon hearing Leo's Tome, the Council fathers explained, "Peter has spoken through the mouth of Leo." And then finally, I wanted just to say when He confronted. Attila, the hunt. And it was, uh, it's very, very significant what he said. And I want to read you the quote because it's a very interesting quote. Uh, he said to, uh, confronting this hunt, this, this uh, powerful military leader, savage leader. And he said to him, he, he says, now we pray that you who have conquered others should conquer yourself. You were so powerful, you were able to overcome everybody else. Now you have to conquer yourself. And in what way? The people fell, have felt your scourge, violence, but now as suppliants, they would feel your mercy. And so Attila did not destroy Rome. I think, and, and it says that when Leo said these words to Attila, Attila stood looking upon his, his venerable garb, silent, as if thinking deeply. There was the recording of that historical moment. Maybe then today, as we celebrate this Eucharist, we know that Jesus is our Lord. He's our wisdom, he's our knowledge. God has given us the wisdom to know what to do, how to live, how to live in this world with the consequences that follow in eternity. And he's giving us the privilege to know the truth, to live the truth. He's giving us the great grace to know what to do each day as we gather, you know, for the various things that we have to accomplish each day, but knowing that the Lord is with us, the grace comes to us. The grace just like Paul felt that he was very close to him. He was a man of prayer. He heard God's word. He wanted to incorporate truly the gospel message into his life and to live it each day. That's why we call him not only being a saint, but he was a great leader. He's someone who was able to address the issues of his day, not being afraid no matter what's happened, whether it's controversies, theological controversies, heresies, the civil disorder problems, war, conflict, all those things we can overcome with the power of divine grace, the power of God's wisdom, that we never have to be afraid, that God will leave us untended, as long as we cry out to him, even if we can't think through things, but we can cry out in prayer, Lord, you have to help me. As the, the as the, as those who as the, uh, the 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 lepers called out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. That's our that's our call. You have to help us. We are in difficult situation, both as country, nation, world, situations where we are. But God will help us, and He gives each one of us the power, the capacity, to respond to Him, and through each one of us. He gives us the wisdom to know what to do, gives us the freedom, gives us that that great knowledge that comes from living a life of grace because Holy Spirit is with us and Holy Spirit knows what we need and Holy Spirit will guide us to eternal life.
1: Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses,